G'day and welcome to The Grass is Greener. My name is Tim Henry. I'm a financial advisor in Melbourne. And every week, my guests and I dissect your everyday challenges. We'll get you clearer on your goals and give you financial tips to make it happen. If this is your first time tuning in to The Grass is Greener, make sure you subscribe to the show on your platform of choice so you'll automatically receive each episode as soon as it's released. G'day, welcome back. Great to have you along. I've had a week off and I actually came back with a bit of a a slight cold. No, not the dreaded C word. So if you think I'm sounding a little bit croaky, well, you're not wrong. But today we are chatting about how to fund your kids' education from ground zero. And I really uh, took the inspiration for this episode from an article I wrote this year for uh, Financy. One of the most common goals as a financial advisor I hear from people is that they want to give their kids the best possible start in life. Now, this goal might come in many forms. You know, it might be sharing travel experiences as a family, providing a healthy and vibrant lifestyle, encouraging good values and hard work, teaching financial skills might be one of those. Um, There's no right or wrong there. It's very much linked to your own values. But we do hear, probably the most popular goal we hear is a desire to provide education and possibly private education. But this uh, desire for the goal, it generally comes with a follow-up question, which is, can we actually afford to do it? And if so, how do we do it? So I wanted to unpack this a little bit in today's episode. It's going to be a a great couple of weeks because we've got, uh, we're doing this little session today on how you could go about thinking about how to plan for your your kids' education. And next week, we've got a fantastic um, group coming in to talk about a specific financial product that is linked to education. So where do we start? I call this starting point is viewing the mountain from ground zero. Any big goal comes with the realisation that there's a very big mountain to climb. And when we view that mountain from the bottom, uh, it can be overwhelming and generally maybe not helpful to your mental commitment to the plan. I, I really do feel like education is one of those because... In many ways, when we look at the cost of education, uh, they're big numbers. Um, I just want to share a report I got from a gr- the Futurity Investment Group who do specialise in education. They put out a, a paper this year called The Cost of Education 2022 and we'll make this link available on the episode show notes. It actually lists the total estimated schooling costs for a child starting school in 2022 for their life at school and at least that via each city in the state and also the regional areas. So in my own state, in Melbourne, it's really saying that if, if your child was going to a government school in Melbourne, you could expect to shell out close to $90,000 um, over the course of 
of their schooling years. If they were going to a Catholic school and that was, you know, semi private, could be nudging up close to a hundred and fifty thousand. And if they're going to a private school, over four hundred thousand. Now in regional areas those numbers are slightly less than that. But you can get the picture that there's significant costs in educating our kids. And, you know, we often just focus on the fees. But, you know, there's other costs as well. And I think most parents would understand this if they've already got kids at school. But things like electronic devices, tuition to do other things like music or sport or extra tutoring in school topics, transport, uniforms, textbooks. Uh, It's a significant commitment. So when we, uh, when it comes to education plans, you know, we've seen many times where people have come to us and they say, okay, well, I only want to send my kids to private school for six years. And in, in a place like Melbourne, if that's, a, uh, that's an independent school, that might be 25000 per year. Multiply that by six years. That's 150000 <laughs> per child. How many kids have you got? You've got three. We're now at 450000 Boom. Your head just blew up. And we, we see that many times where it's, a, it's a definitely a, a, a goal that people want to attain. But they, over many years, I think they have this thought process that how are we going to do that? I'm not sure. Let's just not worry about it for the moment. And the years tick on until it becomes crunch time and that first child is only a couple of years out from going and they say, we've really got to sort this out. No um, substitute for having time to build this plan. So if you, if you do think you've got this goal uh, the earlier you can jump on it the better but just as you would when you're navigating any long journey you know you need to start breaking down this big number into manageable steps it's the only way um, and starting to say okay well let's work out how we just do this on um, repeat for many many years in a row so the first step that I um, say to any client on how we're going to break this down is to say, let's stretch out your timeline and let's stretch it out from now, being 2022, until your youngest child finishes year 12. Now, how many years is that? Because we're, we're really going to say, okay, let's break this down over X number of years. Uh, your youngest child, let's say your youngest child is four right now and they're going to finish school in 14 years. So this is a 14-year project. So instantly we can start to see that notice how this has put a long-term horizon on the plan, dividing the total sum that we've just mentioned by the number of years. It starts you to think, okay, well, we've now broken this into some yearly chunks. Um, Is that, it's still going to seem like a big number, but um, it may actually start to seem like it's more achievable. So let's assume it is a 14-year plan and 
let's assume that um, you know, we're, we're attain, or we'd need to attain that 450,000 to put all, all three kids through school. Um, instantly that breaks that down to around 30,000, 32,000 per year. 2,679 per month. So still huge number. Now the, the challenge with this is, you know, if you've got a young child who's only four um, and you're already starting to put that money away for them and your older kids as well, um, obviously you're starting to get ahead of the game. You're starting to put money aside before it's needed. And, and this is part of the big big part of this plan is, is building up that, that reserve or that buffer ready for the onslaught when it starts. So while it's still a big challenge, by doing this, it starts to put a, a bit more of a smoother vibe on your plan rather than just seeing like this uh, insurmountable mountain. So maybe it's something you could do for yourself. Actually map out the years, you know, write out the years that your oldest child will start needing the, the big school fees and list those years for them. Go to the next child and list them underneath. What years are they going to start needing those? And then for the youngest kids as well. Starts to provide a bit of a, a longer-term view of where the... Um, where things start and finish and also what we're really looking for is this these overlap years where you've got multiple kids needing to have fees funded because this is the biggest challenge in the whole in the whole thing and I call this armoring up for the overlap you know climbing the mountain and descending from the top is sort of quite manageable because you're starting to dip your toe in the water when you're climbing um, your just starting those fees and, and once you get over this overlap years and, and the youngest is the only one there, they're the manageable parts. It's this middle part where you've got the overlap years. You're funding fees for multiple kids and if you can get through these years, the plan is pretty much nearly home and hose. So it's really important that you build a buffer for those years. Now each family has different age profiles. So I, I often say to people when we look at this, you're either front-loaded with the age profile or back-loaded. What do I mean by that? Well, if you're front-loaded, that means that you're going to have, if we had a midpoint in, in the years, if it's a 14-year plan, maybe it is that your older kids uh, were born close together and... You're going to have more fees early on in the overall plan. Or is it that you had one child early and then you, your younger kids are closer together in age? That means they're backloaded, more fees later in the overall plan. If there's more fees early in the overall plan, you really got to ramp this up quickly because um, you're going to have a steeper mountain to climb early on in this plan really need to knuckle down hard right now but if you can navigate that early <laughs> climb you know the commitment will fall away sharply as the years progress if you're backloaded if your younger children are closer in age than the older kids 
you'll obviously have larger fee commitments later in the plan. So the advantage to that is you've got time to build into this, but um, the challenge is really coming later on. So you really got to be ready for that and you've got time on your side to do that. So if you are able to map this out onto a spreadsheet, what you're going to see is instantly you're going to start to see, okay, where do I, where does our journey start? How many years do we have only having to fund one lot of fees? Where does this start to, a second child start to come into the mix? And how many years do we have two children? Do you have a year or two where there's three kids that you need to fund? And then is there a time period where the oldest child has finished and the um, fees are starting to drop away? back to two children, back to one, and then and then you're done. So really important to understand your own family's profile in there. And I often think that that alone, that exercise alone in, in mapping out a spreadsheet like that is, is really worth its weight in gold. I've got a blank spreadsheet and I will put it in the show notes and I will share that through the Facebook group. Now there's a number of different vehicles that can be used to save for education fees. And we've done many of these with people over the years. Some people are disciplined enough just to save for it in their mortgage. And there's nothing wrong with that. But again, really good to know what number it is you, you've got to be saving to. And by doing the spreadsheet we talked about, it does help you do that. So nothing wrong with the mortgage. And as we know, mortgage rates have, have pushed up into the fours, 4% plus. And so anything that you are saving in there is effectively getting that 4% return. It's saving you 4% on your mortgage. So it is getting a return. A lot of people might sort of think, well, am I disciplined enough to not touch that money? Do I want to have it parked somewhere else so it doesn't come into the mix? Uh, that That's one of the equations or some of the things that we we talk about with people. So mortgage is an option. Um, another type of managed investment is an option. We've done that many times for people as well where they've just say, look, I want to start investing this money in a, it could be in, a, in an aggressive manner, it could be in a conservative manner. That's really something we would work through with them. Um, if it was going to go into a managed fund, just a traditional managed fund, yes, they're going to earn a return on that money and it it may be assessed for tax some of those returns the income on those returns and when you draw down on it, it may have some capital gains tax again it's whether you you might be able to own it in the, the low income earner in the family might be able to own that and that doesn't attract as much tax um, do you jointly own it either way we've got to factor in that tax component in there Another option that we look at significantly is education bonds and they've become more and more popular over the next over the last couple of years um, and we've got a, a fantastic group coming in to chat next week, uh, the Futurity Investment Group who are going to help explain what an education bond is and, and actually how it works. So really uh, if we just want to summarise what we've chatted about there, 
it really is, uh, I, I think there's no substitute for understanding what it is you're going to tackle. It That goes for any goal, really. You know, breaking it down into chunks and say, okay, well, what does this goal look like for us? Because education is one of those things where everyone, <laughs> other people might want to tell you how hard it is and how stressed, how stressful it is and all that sort of things. Their situation may be different to yours. So you, you've really got to do the work for yourself. Look at your own age profile of your kids, how much you're, you're wanting to spend on the plan and start to nut through what does it look like for us. No substitute for that. I look forward to having a chat with Futurity next week and helping uncover the um, power of the education bond. If you're looking for a community of like-minded people who are going on a journey similar to you, then I invite you to join the Grass is Greener Facebook group where you'll connect, share and learn from other people just like you. The information in this podcast is of a general nature and does not take into account your own financial objectives, circumstances and needs. You should consider your own personal situation and requirements before making any decision. If you have any concerns or questions, please contact me. That's the end of another show. Remember, the grass isn't greener on the other side. It's greener where you water it. See you later.